Welcome to this episode of Planting Seeds. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that's intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. Shine upon you and be gracious and give you peace. In this episode, we'll continue our study of the book of Judges by looking at Judges chapter 14. If you have a Bible, turn to Judges 14, verse 1, and follow along while I read. Samson went down to Timnah, and at Timnah he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines. Then he came up and told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. But his father and mother said to him, Is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all of our people that you must go and take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. His father and mother did not know that it was from the Lord, for he was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines. At that time, the Philistines ruled over Israel. Then Samson went down with his father and mother to Timnah, and they came to the vineyards of Timnah. And behold, a young lion came toward him roaring. Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and although he had nothing in his hand, he tore the lion in pieces as one tears a young goat. But he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked with the woman, and she was right in Samson's eyes. After some days, he returned to take her, and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion, and behold, there was a swarm of bees in the body of the lion and honey. He scraped it out into his hands and went on eating as he went. And he came to his father and mother and gave some to them. And they ate, but he did not tell them that he had scraped the honey from the carcass of the lion. His father went down to the woman, and Samson prepared a feast there, for so the young men used to do. As soon as the people saw him, they brought thirty companions to be with him. And Samson said to them, Let me now put a riddle to you. If you can tell me what it is within these seven days of the feast and find it out, then I will give you thirty linen garments and thirty changes of clothes. But if you cannot tell me what it is, then you shall give me thirty linen garments and thirty changes of clothes. And they said to him, Put your riddle, that we may hear it. And he said to them, Out of the eater came something to eat, out of the strong came something sweet. And in three days they could not solve the riddle. On the fourth day they said to Samson's wife, Entice your husband to tell us what the riddle is, lest we burn you and your father's house with fire. Have you invited us here to impoverish us? And Samson's wife wept over him and said, You only hate me. You do not love me. You have put a riddle to my people, and you have not told me what it is. And he said to her, Behold, I have not told my father nor my mother, and shall I tell you? She wept before him the seven days that their feast lasted, and on the seventh day he told her because she pressed him hard. Then she told the riddle to her people, and the men of the city said to him on the seventh day before the sun went down, What is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? And he said to them, If you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have found out my riddle. 
And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and he went down to Ashkelon and struck down thirty men of the town and took their spoil and gave the garments to those who had told the riddle. In hot anger, he went back to his father's house, and Samson's wife was given to his companion, who had been his best man. This chapter is the story of Samson finding a woman that he wants to marry and the events that surrounded the feast and the marriage ceremony. There are some strange details in here, but I think as a whole, what we see in this chapter is the providence of God at work. Providence is one of those fancy church words that we use sometimes that not everyone may understand. Providence is just the idea of God working through second causes. It's not that God directly caused one thing or another, like the burning bush for Moses, but he is working through the people and circumstances to bring about his will. And so as we look at this chapter, we see God doing exactly that. We're told in this chapter that God would be using this to stir up the Philistines. In this part of Samson's story, I think we see three things pretty clearly. One is that God has a plan. God had a plan for Samson as an individual. He would be the one that would begin to deliver Israel from the hands of the Philistines. And God was taking advantage of certain circumstances in Samson's life to make sure that this happens. But we need to understand that God has a plan for us as well. In the New Testament, we read in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. In other places, Scripture tells us that God's plan for Jesus and to redeem humanity had been at work since before the beginning of time. And God knew that this was something that would be needed and that would be helpful to his creation. And he's had that plan for us to be able to have access to him for eternity through his son. But as much as God had laid out his plan for Samson, to Samson's parents and to Samson himself, we see in this chapter Samson doing his own thing. We can just start by Samson taking a wife. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verses 1 through 4 are very clear that Israelites were to drive out all of the nations that were in Canaan, and they were explicitly told, you shall not intermarry with them. Samson was not following God's will when he sought this Philistine woman. Certainly verse 4 of this chapter says that the Lord was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines, but this is not God wanting Samson to marry a Philistine woman. This is God taking advantage of the fact that Samson was going to do it. He was taking advantage of Samson's choices. He wasn't making this choice for Samson. He was just going to use it for his purposes. We also see Samson doing his own thing with the lion. Uh, He rips this lion apart and kills it. Now he's touched a, a dead carcass. Later on, he goes back and touches it again and eats honey that's been on this carcass, which makes the honey unclean. And so he's eating something unclean, which he was forbidden to do by the angel of the Lord when he visited Samson's parents. Also, at the end of the chapter, we have Samson going down to Ashkelon and killing 30 men and taking their clothes so that he can give them to the men who 
solve the riddle. The Nazarite vow is very explicit in saying that even if a dead body is near you, you have to end your vow and and start over after a period of cleansing. So Samson is already going against his Nazarite vow and other commandments that God has made. He's going his own way. But what we see very clearly here is that God is accomplishing his purposes anyway. He takes advantage of Samson's arrogance. As he makes demands to marry the wife that he wants to, God sees an opportunity to stir up the Philistines. We even see God protecting Samson when he participates in these misdeeds. This makes sure that God's purposes are accomplished, not because he's blessing Samson, but because he's protecting him to make sure that his purposes are fulfilled. When the lion comes on Samson and he's able to kill it, when the 30 men are fighting with Samson and the spirit of the Lord comes on him so that he can strike them down, that is not a sign that God approved of Samson doing the wrong thing. It was God protecting Samson, even though he was doing the wrong thing, because he had a bigger plan for him. If God had not protected him in those cases, he would have died, and God would have had to develop another plan uh, for someone to deliver Israel. I think we can learn from that. I think sometimes because our decisions don't end badly, we take that as God giving his seal of approval to us. But sometimes he's protecting us in spite of ourselves, hoping we come to understand his grace and mercy and turn back to him. It's very clear here that God is doing as he pleases. No matter what anyone else is doing, no matter whether or not anyone else is acknowledging him, God is accomplishing exactly what he wants. Uh, In Daniel chapter 4, verse 35, King Nebuchadnezzar says, All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, What have you done? Along those lines, the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 14, 27 says, For the Lord of hosts has purposed, and who can annul it? His hand is stretched out, and who can turn it back? The reality is that God is so powerful, that God is so sovereign, that even though we make choices that go against his will, he can use that. He can bring about his will either with us or in spite of us. He doesn't need us to go along with him to bring about his will, but he is willing to use us. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13 says, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So seeing these things in the life of Samson, God having a plan that Samson could have worked with God, but seems to be working against him. And God is going to accomplish his purposes anyway. How should we be? It seems maybe we shouldn't be following Samson's example here. How should we go about joining God in his work? Well, the first thing we need to see is that God is always at work. And we need to be looking for those opportunities to join him in that work. In John chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. And when you look at the context of that passage, he's letting the people know that all he is doing is joining God in the work he's already doing, that he's not coming up with his own plan or doing it his own way. 
God is always at work, and he is going to join God in that work. We need to see where God's working. We need to look for those opportunities. And the way Jesus describes them in the New Testament, it's very often when the poor, the marginalized in our society, the sick, the afflicted, when people are in need, meeting those needs is where God is. It's where God's wanting to work and where he's wanting us to serve him. When we see where God's working, when we see the opportunities to live out the calling that God's given us, now we have a decision to make. If we've been ignoring that, if we're tempted to not do what God wants, if we've not always been aware of the opportunities he's given us, we start by stopping our sin. If God has given us something to do and we're not doing it, or if he's told us to refrain from something and we join in, we're sinning. And sometimes we're sinning because we're not fully aware. But once we see what God is doing and what God wants us to do to join him in that work, we have to stop sinning. Paul writes to the Roman church in Romans 6, verses 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Once we have made a commitment to God to live a different kind of life, and we realize that we've slipped back into that behavior, or we never totally let God purify us of sinful behavior, we need to be willing to stop sinning. And when we've stopped sinning, we need to give our whole focus to God. Still in Romans, this time in chapter 8, verses 5 through 8, Paul says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's laws. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So we look for where God's working. Then we make a decision to stop sinning and focus on God. And when we've done that, we have to be willing to make a change. The scripture refers to this as repentance. Romans, again, Romans chapter 2, verse 4, or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. Paul is saying there that some people are living their lives presuming that God is so kind and so patient that he's going to overlook all of the bad things that we do. But he goes on to say, you must not know that God's kindness is actually meant to lead you to repentance. It's to give you incentive to make a change in the course of your life. Many of us are on a path of our own design. We come up with the rules. We come up with the things that are important to us. And and we start living this life that we imagine is going to be pleasing to God. And we ask him to bless it. When we realize that we're on the wrong path, when things aren't working out, when we're, in fact, not getting closer to God, but getting further away from him because of the sin that stays entrenched in our lives, we have to be willing to make a change of course. 
And this is not just making an apology to God and then continuing to do the same things. This is not just acknowledging that the sin is there, but it's changing my course in life the way that I'm making decisions, the way that I'm taking action so that it aligns itself with what God wants. In this chapter of Samson's life, God works in spite of his actions. He called Samson to something different, and he calls us to something more meaningful, to be able to work in us and through us because we have joined him in his work. And in doing so, we bring honor and glory to his name. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Twitter.